If you're just coming in, shake somebody's hand and find you a seat. We're going to get started. My name is, my name is Chris. I am uh, one of the pastors here at Legacy Church. If this is your first time with us this morning, welcome. Um, I am excited uh, to be here. I have been out of town for close to a month, about three weeks. I've been in Texas um, raising support for our church plant. So most of you, that's not news um, but to you, but some of you it might be. So we are planting, Legacy is planting a congregation in West County, and I will be leading that, leading that plant along with five other families on our launch team. And so I was out there raising money for that. So um, thank you for praying for that. If you were a part of praying for that for us, we appreciate that. I am glad to be home. I ate a ton of Texas Tex-Mex and barbecue while I was there, and I'm back now with a plant-based diet. My wife has officially put me on. So, which I need. It's good. It's good. Don't worry about it. I'm fine. Trust me. Don't, no need to pray for me or anything like that. I'm getting plenty of nutrients. So, um, if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Genesis 16. We're going to continue in our series on Abraham, Faith Through the Eyes of Abraham this morning. Luke has been preaching through that, through this book, or the life of Abraham. And so this, this morning, we're going to be in chapter 16. But before I get started, i got one question for you. Who in here desires to be in control? Does anybody raise your hand? Don't, don't be ashamed. It's all right. I, I do it. Everybody does it. And that's a question this morning I want to hit you with before we even get started. Because control, as you know, can be a very, very nasty thing. Control can be a very crazy thing. Control takes us to a very, very dark place a lot of times. And that control is driven and really, really built on three things. Guilt, fear, and shame. And statistically, about a third of you in here, so one out of three in here deal with fear. That's a big majority of the population we deal with fear. I struggle with fear, anxiety, things like that. And so with that, it kind of fuels this need for control. It fuels this, this want and this desire for control. But the cool thing is, 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 is this morning as we talk and we, we wrestle with this text and, and, and read through this text, we're going to see a God that leads us despite our best efforts to hijack his plan. Right? When we try to take control and ownership of what God is doing in us and through us, when we're trying to, to own that, we're going to get to look at how God still steps in and leads us. It wasn't too long ago. It was about two, well, now it's been, we've, always, we've almost been here four years, my family. And one thing we were sure of before we moved here from Texas is we were sure that God wanted us to plant a church. We just didn't know what that would look like. We, we, didn't know, we didn't know where, we didn't know how, we didn't know any of that. So, so the, the, we, we were for sure, though, needed to move here to learn how to do that. And so that's all I had. I had a promise. I had, I had, a, I had a, a, con, a conviction to plant a church, to learn how to plant a church. Didn't know what any of that would look like, and that's what I left off of. That's what we, we began to sell our possessions. We began to uh, leave jobs and transition out of the city we were in to move to Knoxville. But it wasn't long after we got here that we began to realize, or I began to, I began to get a little fearful, right? I began to get a little, little anxious, a little like, hey, this doesn't look like I want it to look. I need it to look this way. I desire for it to look a certain way, and it's not going the way that I want it to go. So I began to take ownership of that, right? I began to, to try to move chess pieces myself. I began to to, to, to have conversations that would go in the opposite direction of what I was being taught through legacy, right? And so in the midst of that, 
I received a warning. God, God sent my best friend, David Holler. You guys know David. And he, he gave me a warning. He was like, I don't really feel like you're moving in a good direction with this. And I could go into the, the exact words, but I'll save you the, the pressure and the time of that. But, but the, the reality was is I knew that I was, I was moving. He was letting me know I'm moving in a direction that did not line up with what God wanted. And I rejected that. I pushed back on that. I told him, you don't know what you're talking about. You have no idea. This is, what, this is what God wants me to do. And so shortly after that conversation, my family and I, we went to Texas. Much like the trip I just went on, we ventured to Texas alone. And we found out very quickly we were without community and we were all by ourselves. And so God really began to work on our hearts and break our hearts and lead us lead us through that. And I came back and I walked into a, a, a sort of a midterm assessment with our residency that we were going through, our church planning residency, where Kevin and Luke, both uh, pastors uh, here, met with me at Carolina L House, sat in a booth, and, and began to poke and, 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 and really peel and, and scratch at those wounds that I had and tell me, hey, listen, this isn't, you're going in a really bad direction. And so this, all of this was part of God's leading Right, God's leading and massaging my heart. In, in all my attempts, my futile attempts to hijack his plan, he steps in and he's constantly leading me. And so I think today what's true for all of us in this room is we want to control the tiniest to the largest parts of our life. Amen? Everybody agree? We want the smallest, the smallest thing to the largest thing we want to control. Whether it's people Money, time, it does not matter. We want that control. And so one thing, one thing in particular is our kiddos. We want to control our kids. And what happens is, is a lot of times our parenting becomes manipulation. Right? It stops becoming parenting and becomes and looks a lot like manipulation. If I can just get them to behave this way, if I can just get them to do this, then this would not happen. We fear people's responses. Who in here believes today that you could control what comes out of somebody's mouth? Anybody? Yeah, <laughs> one guy, David back there. You can't control it. I remember when I was 15, my mom, I was 15, I had, I had this, awesome, this awesome mustache going on, right, because I can grow a beard. So at 15, full facial hair, right, and my mom did not like it. I remember, I remember getting ready to go to church, and she says, go shave. I said, wait a minute. I'm 15. I'm an adult. <laughs> no. Right? That was my response. No. You know, and I remember her looking at me and saying, go shave. No. And I remember her just crying. <sighs> right? And we talked about it years later. She told me she remembers that was the moment when she realized he's not a baby anymore. Like, I can't go drag him in there and shave his face. Right? So I was 15, right? I weighed 150 pounds. So that was going to be difficult, right? How about in elections? We just recently went through a crazy elections, right? Our crazy country just went through crazy, crazy elections. And a lot of us struggled with that. A lot of, whether, whatever side of the aisle you're on, voted for or not voted for, we struggled with the outcome of that in one way or another. Sicknesses. Can you control when you get sick? Can you control disease? Can you control who has a disease, who doesn't have a disease? What about money? 
Now, I would, I would lend to say you could probably control how much money you have by spending and, and so forth and saving. But we like to control our money, right? When in reality, it's not our money. It's God's money. Right? He gave it to us. We're just stewards of this money. Our time. We want to control our time. We don't want to give our time to this or that. we got to give it to this because this is the thing we're passionate about. Regardless of what it's for, what, it's, what it stands for maybe, what it, what it shows, what it does. That's why mission is so hard for us. That's why being on mission is hard for us because the mission is necessarily something God's called us to that's difficult, but we'd rather be kayaking or paddleboarding, right? Or doing things that make us happy while, while we're really being called to something over here. And that's our time. God, like, that's my time. Dr. Dr. Doron taught me something one time. He said, he said, time is a cathedral. It's our steward. It's not ours to own. How about the fear of man? Anybody in here want to control or, be, or fear of being controlled by man so we fear man? Anybody fear man? I fear, I fear what people think about me all the time. I shouldn't. Don't think that I didn't spend some time in prayer this morning worried about what you guys are all thinking about me right now. Because I did. Right? Because that's who we are. Anybody experienced loss, death, and wanted to control that, wish they had someone back? This person went before their time. Right? Death is a terrible, terrible thing, but we need to remember that we serve a God that has defeated death. But yet we want to control it. We don't, we don't like the way death makes us feel. We don't like to experience that. We want to control how our family members react and respond around us. Anybody here have awkward holidays? Yeah, right? Straight up. Awkward family meetings. We want to control those. We don't like not being able to control the things that are going around us. And and the reality is control is the assassin of our faith. So what do we do when trust runs out? What do we do when the trust tank is empty? Control kills any kind of faith we have. So the question is this morning, do we believe that God can accomplish his will in us and through us? Do we really, truly believe that? Despite our guilt, fear, and shame, do we believe that what God wants to do in our lives, he can accomplish despite us trying to hijack his plan? Do we believe that? And the story we're looking at today with Abraham uh, or Abram, sorry, he's not been officially named Abraham yet by God. So Abram and Sarai's, how the need for control is murdering our faith and what happens when we, when we stop sacrificing trust on the altar of patience, right? Because that's what we do a lot of times, right? We begin to, we begin to say, okay, I can't, I can't walk this road anymore. I can't trust God with this anymore. I need to go ahead and sacrifice my trust on the altar of patience and waiting on God. We're looking at a man that's been, that's been promised. He's been told that great nations and multitudes will be, will be forth from him, right? And so he is waiting. And the reality is what God has done in Abraham, he wants to do through him despite his attempts to hijack. In Genesis 12, we see God promise, right, all this to Abraham. But he never says how. He never says how he's going to accomplish that. He doesn't tell Abram, hey, listen, we're gonna, I'm going to give you a son through Sarah. He doesn't say that till the next chapters, right? All he knows and all, all Sarah knows is that, is that God has promised this great, huge family 
that numbers the stars in the sky, right? That, 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 that he takes him outside and shows him this. I think Luke already preached on this. So turn to Genesis 16 if you haven't already. Genesis 16, we're going to do the whole chapter. I'm going to read that through. You can follow along. It should be on the screen. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarah, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. Verse 7. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael. Because the Lord has listened to your affliction, he shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. Verse 13. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly I have, been, I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well was called Berhala Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abraham. God, I uh, thank you, God, for your never-changing word. God, your timeless, your timeless word. God, I thank you for our abilities to read your word, to speak your words, God. And I just pray this morning as we look deeper into this text, I just ask that you would break our hearts, God, for your son. In Jesus' name, amen. And so while we're looking at this, I'm reading this text and I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? Like, it's just chaos in my opinion, right? It's like, we know that we know that Abram has been promised this son or promised this, this great family. Sarai knows this. Sarah, it looks like Sarah gets a little impatient, right? Begins to kind of try to move some chess pieces, right? Control that, kind of fear, probably stepping in a little bit of guilt, shame maybe coming in, welling up that she can't. You notice twice she remarks that she can't, she can't have children. God's told her, made her barren, right? He's, she's, she's acknowledging that. But in the first six verses, that first part of the text, that story looks eerily similar to another story in Genesis we read, right? In the garden. Right? Where, where another woman begins to waver under the pressure of a promise. 
right? And then we see, a, we see a man refusing to lead his family, stepping back, cowardly saying and, li- and listening, not, not turning to God, but turning to her. And then we start seeing blame shifting and finger pointing, right? Well, just go ahead and deal, deal with her harshly, right? She's your servant. Do whatever you want. Do whatever you please with her. We see envy, greed, jealousy, disobedience, all in that first six, six chapters. But, but one thing that's, that's kind of what stuck out to me was, who's missing? Who's not there right then? It's God. Right? All this is unfolding, and God is just absent. So trust is running out. We see trust being sacrificed on the altar of patience. So this morning, how do, how do we do this? How do you do this? In your own lives, how do, how do we begin to, begin to waver under the pressure of patience and, and our trust tank just plummets, right? You have to ask yourself that question. Where are you doing this? In your job, your finances, your family, your monies, your children, the things I mentioned before. Where, where are we doing this? Where are we, where are we trying to control and shift and move and manage? Not steward, but control. And do we really believe that God will accomplish his will in us and through us? Do we believe that this morning? Do you write that down? Do we believe that God will accomplish, accomplish his will in us and through us in light of this story this morning. And I know some of you are probably saying, so what? So what, Chris? You don't, what do you know? What do you know about me? What do you know about my issues? Right? What do you know about anything that's ever happened to me? Well, I know what it's like to lose a father, a sister. I know what it's like to have a dad that's addicted to drugs and alcohol that leaves your family. I know what it's like to walk out on my own family. I know what it's like to, be, to, to, to find myself in the middle of an adulterous relationship and lose everything I've ever had. I know what it's like to walk around with the guilt and the fear and the shame and then out of that birth control and try to change and manipulate my current situation and not turn and look to God. And, this, and, and, and you say, well, that was all before Jesus. And it was. All this stuff that happened to me right then that I just listed was all before Jesus. But when I started this journey to come here and plant this church, mind you, a God-breathed thing, right? Church planting, kingdom building, life giving, whatever, whatever words you want to throw on it, I still try to control, manipulate, and change my situation. Three years ago, I tried to hijack that plan, right? And say, I didn't need legacy. I didn't need Acts 29. I didn't need Luke's coaching or training. I didn't need Kevin. I didn't need David, my best friend, to help me. I could get it done. I could do it. Then he began to lead me. And two years ago, I discovered that he was doing something in me. There was something actively at work in my heart. There was something that was actively going on. God was pursuing me in my mess, pursuing me despite my hijacking his plan. But I still wasn't done. I still didn't understand it. And then this year, 
I really began to believe that God was going to accomplish his will through me. Right? As we, as we look to launch this church, I could, I could see that God was working actively in me and then see him now working actively through me with people's lives being changed, disciples being made, right? Being on mission. Just confirmation after confirmation after confirmation. And so I don't want to beat up on these three characters, Abram, Sarai, and Hagar, right? I'm not trying to beat up on them. But in verse 7, what happens? God shows up, right? The angel of the Lord found her. And we see this beautiful moment of redemption take place, right? We see this, we see this awesome moment where God shows up, much like in the garden, and begins to ask, where are you going? Right? Just like he did when he showed up in the garden. What are you doing? Where are you going? And, and, and her response is, she's running. She's leaving. She's going. And what does he tell her? What, is he, what does the angel of the Lord tell Hagar? Anybody? Return and submit. Go back. Go back. Who in here has ever walked out of a fight really mad <laughs> had to go back and walk into the situation again that you just left? Yeah. It's, it's kind of awkward. So I read this, and I think to myself, if I'm Hagar, I'm like, well, I mean, come on. Like, do I, like, got to go back, like, right now? Can I, like, wait, maybe give it some time to, like, Sarah to calm down, you know? I mean, after all, I am carrying her baby, right? So there's this weird moment. For me, it was weird. It was, it was a tough moment because I don't like to submit, number one. Anybody with me? Submission, Right? an issue with that. I don't like to submit. That was the whole reason I was struggling through, through, through submitting to Legacy Church, its leadership and the elders and Acts 29 because I don't want to submit. My heart without the Holy Spirit is hostile to God. I don't want to submit. I don't want to, I don't want to return back. We, none of us like that. None of us like to, to have to submit. None of us like to have to give up control. But in this moment, you see God again fulfilling his promise despite the hijacked attempt. Right? He still says, return. And in verse 12, the cool thing about verse 12 is, is that we see in verse 12, he begins to describe, behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, which by the way means God hears. Because the Lord has listened to your affliction, he shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everybody's hand against him, and he shall dwell over against all of his kinsmen. This is, this is in direct opposition of Jesus, who means God saves. Jesus means God saves. Because another, in another part of the Bible, right, an angel appears to Mary and tells her, you have a son and his name will be Jesus, Right? And he wasn't wild. His hand wasn't against everyone. He would actually come and rescue us. He would be our redeeming Christ that would come and save us all. Even though, despite our hand being against him, he would still come and save and rescue us. So this morning, leaving here, got some, got some application points for you. 
And you can write these down. You, can, you, can, you don't have to, but these are, these are just points that when I, was, when I was working through this text for me in my own life, these are some, some nuggets, I guess you could say, that I pulled out of the text. Point one is we should be reluctant to move in one direction or another when it appears that God has been preventing what we have been seeking. Listen, if, you, if you're just after something, wholeheartedly and you just keep getting pushed in a different direction or there's just things that are happening that your, your prayer life is telling you to go one way but your just flesh wants you to go a different direction you need to be you probably just need to be a little reluctant in that maybe slow down take some more time we should be very cautious about making decisions that appeal to fleshly appetites right these people in this story wanted a son they wanted a baby they were super old they wanted this child, right? And they couldn't, they didn't think it could happen. They didn't, they didn't believe and they, they were giving into that fleshly appetite of, of desiring a child and wanting this, wanting this to be, be true. And their trust just, just wavered and ran out. We've got to be very cautious when making decisions that appeal to those appetites of our flesh. We should hesitate to undertake anything when our primary reason for doing so is to relieve pressure rather than practice some principle. Listen, there is nothing in the Bible that says this life will be easy. We live in a broken creation, a broken world, disease, hunger, right? Poverty, sickness. These are all true. These are all things that we will deal with because of a broken garden. Right? So we're going to feel pressure. We're going to feel pain. We're going to feel the struggle. We're not going to get everything we want, despite what you hear on TV, despite what self-book is telling you right now. Sometimes you don't get the girl. Right? You're not the hero. Jesus is. That's what the Bible says teaches us. So when we so when we're when we're just wanting to relieve pressure rather than practice principle, it becomes evident that we don't believe in the gospel we're trying to preach. We don't believe in the gospel that we're actually that we're actually charged to go preach to people so that they can hear the good news of Jesus. We don't believe that when we begin to waver under pressure and we begin to sacrifice trust on the altar of patience. We don't believe that. This last point is we should never move in any direction that reveals our methods are inappropriate towards God. I want to say one thing. Sometimes I make decisions that move in a direction that aren't appropriate towards God. Okay? I sometimes do that. We all do that. We are all sinners. We are all broken. This isn't a list of do's and don'ts. That's not what I'm trying to do here. What I'm trying to do is show you that that we should never move in any direction. Yes, we should never do that, but we do do that. And when we do that, we should repent. We should return and submit to a God that loves us. Right? Hagar can be seen in this story. She can be seen a little bit as a victim, right? She was a slave. She was owned by Sarah. She kind of had to do what she said. Yes. Right? But do you remember in the story when it says that Hagar looked at her mistress with contempt? She was experiencing jealousy. She was experiencing shame and guilt and fear. So again, what God has done in us, he wants to do through us. 
despite our attempts to hijack his plan. He's doing something in you right now. Whether you believe it or not, lost or saved, he's doing something in you right now. And if he's already done something in you and he's, he's accomplishing something in you, he wants to accomplish that through you. He wants your story to be evident to those around you that are doing life with. That's why we do community the way we do community at Legacy Church. We do community outside of these walls, right? Because cool gra- nobody's here this morning because we have cool graphics, although we have cool graphics. Thanks, Beth Ann Tolson. We have cool graphics. But nobody's here because we have those. Nobody's here because we put communion and we have gluten-free communion back there for you guys to take. Nobody's here this morning. Let's just be honest. We don't have free coffee, right? None of that stuff is getting people here this morning. What gets people here, though, and what, where we see life change and legacy for us, the way we do community, is out there in homes and in neighborhoods across the city. That's where we see life change take place. That's where you see people come to know the real Jesus, Right? The Jesus that loves us, the Jesus that that wants us to be with him, the Jesus that desires a relationship with us, that's where we see that happen. So that's why we preach the gospel of community on mission. That's why we have you guys collecting in neighborhoods and in homes outside in the city because that's how we will effectively reach the city because 87% of Knoxville is asleep right now. 87%. And it's not just downtown that's got the drugs and the crime a month a month ago when i left i found a i found a a a pouch with a spoon a needle and four bags of heroin in it where was i i was in hardin valley so it's not just three miles this way it covers this entire county It, it covers this entire state let's be honest it's all over the place it's an epidemic and yes, while that, that, these things are true for every other city in America right now with drug problems and, and whatnot, the reality is, is that you don't live there. You live here, right? This is where God has placed you. This is where God brought my family. This is where God wants you to do ministry. And if you show up here on Sunday morning and this is your ministry, you're missing it. It's not here. It's out there. It's where you work. It's where, you, it's where you play. It's where you shop. It's your daily rhythms. So as I wrap this up, have we, have we messed up? Made bad decisions? Absolutely. Do you feel today that God's intervened in your mess? Or is he intervening maybe in a current mess? I think he is. I think he is. Do you believe today that he'll continue to lead us in our mess? I believe it. And I'm going to mess up. I'm going to walk off this stage today, and I'm going to mess up. I'm going to yell at my kids. I'm going to say something super mean to my wife. Right? I'm going to make a bad decision. But does he and will he continue to lead us? I think so. Go ahead and stand with me real quick. I just want to ask you today, just because I need to hear this too. So for me, this, this is more for me, I guess, than it is for you, but I want you to hear it too. Just ask that you return and submit. That's really what I felt God was telling me when I was, when I was 
prepping for this sermon and, and putting this together, I felt like God just repeatedly telling me return and submit. And sometimes I have to do that. Sometimes I have to return and submit. But the cool thing is, I guess the, the, thing, that, the thing that I really love the most about God is how just open-armed he is, right? About how he's willing to accept us. He's willing to, 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 to graph us into this crazy family, right? We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? If you're saved, if you're in here today, right, you're a part of this family. You're part not only of the legacy family, but you're part of the family of God. And that's not something to take lightly. That's not something to just fluff off. That's not something to say, well, you know, I'm just here because this church was, you know, I found it on a website. It's a cool church. You know, and then I show up in a living room on Wednesday or Thursday night, and I just kind of sit there and hang out. No, God, God has something bigger for you. He wants something bigger for you. He's desiring a deeper relationship. So I ask you this morning, return and submit. Repent. If you're a believer, if you're, if you're in here this morning and you're lost, I want you to know that God is pursuing you right now. He's actively pursuing you. My words are not my words. These words are, are God's words that he wants you to hear. I hear all the people say all the time that, that God doesn't speak to us anymore. Well, yes, he does. Right here. He speaks to us through this. He speaks through us through songs and words and, and, and preaching and, 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 and community and mission. And so if you're in here this morning and you don't know Jesus, if you don't know that God is actively pursuing you, Know that God has provided a Savior for you. That's what Jesus was on the cross. He was, he was a Savior. He was put in your place to be crucified for your sin. He was rejected for you. And the, and the, and the truth is no different for you than it is for me. Is He wants you to return. He wants you to submit. He wants you to come back to him. So this morning I ask that, that as, we, as we move into worship through song, I want to I want to invite you back to take communion. If you're, if you're a believer this morning and you're here and you love Jesus, I'd ask you to turn to those tables, submit and repent, and ask God to forgive you, right? And if you don't know Jesus this morning, we ask you as a church to take, to take Jesus. Don't take communion. Get with someone. Pray. Someone that's in the back. There's, there's plenty of people back there that would pray for you. You don't have to find a pastor. You don't have to come find me. You can pray with any believer that's back there. They desire and want to pray. Go get somebody. Find somebody. Ask them to pray with you. Go ahead and pray. We'll get started in worship this morning. I thank you guys for being here. God, we, uh, we just ask, God, that you would cleanse our hearts. God, that you would, this morning as we reflect on your word, this morning as we reflect on your son, God, in your your stories that you've given us through, through the life of Abraham, God, the, the faith, God, that Abraham endured. God, I ask that when we run out of trust, God, that when our trust fails us, when we begin to sacrifice trust on the altar of patience and waiting on what seems like an eternity for you to do something in our, in our finances, for you to do something in our families, for you to do something in our, um, in our jobs, God, in our, just in our lives, in our getting up and breathing every morning, God. It feels like it takes an eternity. And God, we, we begin to try to control, and we just, we confess, I confess, God, that, that I don't believe, God, all the time that you can accomplish anything in me. 
or anything through me. And so, God, I just ask this morning that we would repent of that, that we would, that we would return and submit to you, that we would repent, God, of our unbelief, that we would turn to our, our, our family, our friends, our spouses, God, and we would confess that unbelief, we would confess um, just the, the agony that's in our heart, God, of the guilt, fear, and shame that is driving that desire and need for control. Because, God, you're in control. We don't have to prove ourselves to anyone or anything. And so, God, I just thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for um, your Holy Spirit. God, and I just ask that this morning we submit to you in all that we do. It's in your name we pray. Amen.